Well, greetings in the name of Christ our Lord. It is good to be with you all here for this virtual conference on post-millennialism. I want to first thank Pastor Brandon for uh, Pastor Brandon and Cruciform Ministries for uh, the invitation to participate in this most important topic. My assigned task for this session is dealing with the issue of post-millennialism as it intersects with health. Brandon thought it important to link the two together in light of my new book release on this very topic called Health for All of Life, A Medical Manifesto of Hope and Healing for the Nations. While some of what I will say here uh, can be found in the book, much of what I'm going to say is actually going to build on that foundation, charting new territory, as it were, especially in light of the pandemic. So I'm calling this message Postmillennialism, the restoration of the whole man. So before we dig in, let's go to God together in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father and wonder-working God, I ask and pray that our time here in these next several minutes would be honoring unto you and edifying unto the listeners you have assembled here via the internet. I ask that your Holy Spirit would be among us that he would indwell us and sustain us for the great task of discipling the nations. We pray that your word would be powerfully proclaimed in this conference and that the Church of Jesus Christ would capture afresh an emboldened vision for discipling the whole of man and the whole of nations. We proclaim your comprehensive gospel because the world is caught in the snare of comprehensive sin. Father, we live in uncertain times, yet we know that you are always certain. Grant us favor as we seek you, we pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The name of our conference is A Purchased Victory, which is a felicitous phrase given what the gospel actually means for history. As belligerent postmillennialists, we are convinced that the gospel is inherently a word of victory. It is victorious by default and it accomplishes victory, the gospel thus is invariably uh, assumes victory. The gospel assumes victory. From start to finish, the gospel is one of worldwide conquest, success, and vanquishment. But what sort of vanquishment and defeat of God's enemies are we talking about? What does the gospel actually have victory over? And what is the context of said victory? Success in what exactly? Vanquishment of what? Conquest of what? If we are to be theologically astute post-millennialists, these are questions we simply must wrestle with. One thing that is ironic about this conference is the fact that we're doing it all online in the year of our Lord, 2020. And if you have a pulse, you might find our post-mill conference to be rather an audacious thing to do when we've been dealing with COVID-19 for most of this year. One might be tempted to look at our current cultural conditions and conclude that post-millennialism is nothing but wishful thinking. These types of guys are quick to naivety and they are slow on the uptake of reality, they say. Of course, for post-millennialists, we have done and continue to do the hard work of exegesis, and biblical application. And there are lots of great speakers here in this conference that will assist in that endeavor. 
For me then, my aim is not so much to make the case for post-millennialism, but to apply it to the arena of health and explore some of the contours of what it might look like for us to take this robust eschatology and implement it in the world. But before I do that, I'd like to simply address a few Bible verses to help have us give us a foothold, so to speak, on the topic. I'll only give you a very brief exegetical commentary on each verse, this, of course, being in the interest of time. And, and much of that, more, more of that is developed in the book anyway. So let's consider our texts. The first passage is from Psalm 139, verse 14, which reads this. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The verse just before this one in Psalm 139.13 says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. When it comes to Christian presuppositions regarding holistic health, this is a good place to, to start, a good place to begin. The word fearfully in this section of Scripture suggests to us a reverential awe. In creating man, God took great care with reverence in piecing his image bearers together. A more literal reading of the Hebrew suggests that man is awesomely wonderful. His, as his prized vice regents, man is the marvelous work of a meticulous God. When the Bible references wonderful in this passage, it speaks of, of privilege and distinction, as in man is distinct in all of creation. Man is not a biological heap of disorder and chaos. Man and his existence under God is marvelous, a true wonder to behold. We are not Neoplatonists. God has made us body, soul, and spirit. We are created to be a whole being. And remarkable and wonderful and reverential is where it all begins. Our next text is Isaiah 65, verse 20, which is couched inside the grand new creation texts of the latter part of Isaiah. This verse reads, No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. Now, Isaiah 65, 20 comes after Isaiah 65, verse 17, which reads, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. The point Isaiah makes and John the Revelator picks up this theme as well in the book of Revelation. The point Isaiah makes is that in Christ, by virtue of his substitutionary death and victorious resurrection, we have the inauguration of a new social order that is meant to intrude upon the humanistic social orders of the day. What Isaiah foresaw, the Gospels gave witness Hello, world, Jesus has come, he has been crowned king, and thus he, not Caesar, is Lord. So deal with it. And also note that death is still occurring here in this text, which means it's somewhere between the empty tomb and the defeat of the last enemy, death, which happens in history 
right up till the consummation when Christ wraps up history. The Bible's grand vision is for the restoration of the earth, then, not the removal of the earth. The Bible's grand vision is for the restoration of the earth, not the removal of the earth. God intends on making the world the place where his will and his kingdom is done fully and completely, hence the Lord's Prayer. God wants to saturate the world with his glory because water is wet and his grace is unhampered. That's what Habakkuk tells us about the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the water covers the sea. And part of this grand restoration and renovation project is the removal of sickness and disease and other impediments that, that living, uh, so that living to 100 and dying is actually seen as a tragic young, young death in the obituary. That's Isaiah's vision, to live a long, fruitful life with healthy cells full of proper nutrition in a social order that reflects the kindness and the severity of God. Next, we have Matthew 9, verse 5, where Jesus responds to the religious leaders having forgiven the paralytic man's sins by saying, quote, For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Jesus would go on to say in verse 6, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. The significance of this passage lies in the fact that Jesus enjoins physical health with spiritual health. Jesus restores the whole man. For Jesus, they are one and the same. One isn't easier than the other, nor is one harder than the other. Both are actually rather easy for him. And both deal with man's, this man's two problems physical ailment, and spiritual degeneracy, the plague of sin. And Christ heals both. What Christ has done is to usurp and undo the curse of Adam that Adam incurred in the garden. And this has tremendous implications for how we see our ministry in the world as we don't have to decide between one or the other. The gospel heals everything in its wake. The final text that I'll mention here, and there are plenty, is found in Psalm chapter 127, verse 1, part A there, the beginning, which reads, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It takes a firm foundation to keep a house from becoming a disheveled mess. This pertains both to Christ being the rock of your salvation in the realm of the Spirit, and Christ being the rock of your salvation in the realm of physical health. And again, Christ intends to heal both in history. But for us, either we are building our lives on Christ and he, is, and he builds it for us, or we labor in vain building our lives on something else. When it comes to health and the advancement of healing and longevity towards that great new creation hope, any pursuit that's done apart from the gospel of the kingdom will end in tragedy and death. So those are the presuppositions I'm working with, and those are some of the key issues that we need to, to unpack. There are a whole lot of other presuppositions from Scripture that we can certainly utilize, but we'll start with, with these. Now, uh, 2020 can be best be likened to a blender with no lid. 
That's 2020, a blender with no lid. The blender has some things inside, and someone did put the thing on high, but they forgot to put the lid on. And that lid, what we can most certainly call the law and gospel of God, is what prevents things from becoming a bedraggled mess. But since we are a nation that's neck deep in iniquity, we had the audacity to try to do this thing without the lid, feeling quite confident of our prospects. The trouble is, again, if the Lord doesn't build the house, it's a vain pursuit. And this applies, of course, to Western medicine. If nations are going to be healed, then they must be discipled. If they're going to be discipled, then we're going to have to toss out most of Western medicine and put something else in its place. When it comes to health and healing, the market is dominated and saturated by big pharma and what we call the allopathic model of medicine. Allopathic or reductionistic medicine, as opposed to holistic or naturopathic medicine, became the dominant force in America thanks to the Flexner Report of 1910. Abraham Flexner was commissioned and hired by the American Medical Association, backed by the interminable dollars of the Rockefellers and the Carnegies, in order to give testament to the landscape of American health and well-being. That's what the report was supposed to do, give witness to what is going on in the realm of health and well-being. The report was essentially an aggressive strategic attack on decentralized holistic medicine, all in the name of market fairness and higher standards. Whenever the government, by the way, wants market fairness and higher standards, just know that this is code for heavy government regulation. In a matter of a few short years, um, homeopathy schools were closed, herbalists were put out of business, and chiropractors were um, also labeled as, as quacks. Big Oil saw that there was money to be made in health and medicine, so it established, essentially with its dollars, Big Pharma, in order to accomplish their centralized socialistic goals. And, frankly, America has never been the same since. The problem with central governments controlling anything is that they inevitably make costs skyrocket due to their monopoly, and thus, as a result, quality goes down. Quality is, is reduced. On top of this, there is the humanist impulse to supplant Christian presuppositions by putting evolutionary presuppositions in its place. You know, even the humanists understand that you can't beat something with nothing. And so that's what the Flexner Report did. It essentially came out and said, we need to centralize medicine. This John Hopkins style of, of socialistic medicine began, and, and all these other um, naturopathic people were put out of business. And all those schools, several hundred, were shut down, and then you have socialized medicine. And right now, of course, we know that socialized medicine has a grip around the neck of America, as we'll see momentarily. As a result of this centralized power grab, health and medicine moved away from holism, which treats the whole body in terms of integrated units and, and based on natural protocols and God-given remedies that are found in the created order, and that switched to allopathic reductionistic medicine, which is atheistic and presupposes that man is essentially an evolved machine to be subdued over time. So allopathy 
reduces the existence and the physiology of man and his body down to the physical and only the physical. There is no soul. There is no transcendent purpose imputed from outside this ostensibly closed universe. There is merely symptom suppression through synthetic drugs and other procedures and the taming of evolutionary man through those chemicals. And by the way, this is, a lot of this is further explained in the book, so if it's of interest to you, of course, I invite you to get it and you can learn more about those concepts in, in detail. Part of the problem today stems from these faulty presuppositions that are found in the allopathic world of medicine. If man is simply an evolved clump of unexplainable cellular activity, then we can transcend our naturalistic state by manipulating his DNA, manipulating his body, and so on. Vaccines, for example, and this is a huge topic given the uh, arrival of the COVID-19 vaccine. Vaccines, for example, which is fueled by the abortion industry, becomes a Gnostic endeavor with alchemist dreams. This view of man has all but destroyed our nation, and we need not look further than how the coronavirus pandemic was handled. Now, before we get into this particular health disaster that we're in, which is actually a government disaster, I want to make sure that we deal with the issue of health by giving a proper definition. And this is connected to our post-millennial eschatology. We need to have a proper def definition. I, I've actually borrowed and, and adapted Dr. Peter Glidden's definition of help because I, I want to emphasize certain things about God and, and creation and, and who we are as humans made in his image and so on. So I've modified it a little bit, but here's my definition. Health is the ability of an image bearer to experience stress and adversity while remaining symptom-free, wherein the integrated systems of the body in their God-given created state are functioning in their proper capacity in a state of balance, peace, and shalom. I wanna say that again. Health is the ability of an image bearer to experience stress, physiological stress, and adversity, because it's not just physiology, because we aren't just material beings, while remaining symptom-free, wherein the integrated systems of the body in their God-given created state are functioning in their proper capacity in a state of balance, peace, and shalom. Health is that ability to withstand those things whether it's stress in your marriage, or it's stress at your job, um, which impacts not just your physical body, but your soul as well, a healthy person can withstand those things and still function in, in a state of peace. And of course, the Bible has a lot to say about peace. Now notice that I'm emphasizing God being the originator of this incredible gift. And notice that part of the language used could be used of the larger created order. When Paul writes in Romans 8 that the creation groans for the redemption of our bodies, I take this to mean that this redemption, which clearly coincides with the redemption of the earth, is actually the fullness of resurrection life. In other words, we are marching forward into that history, and we ought to do our due diligence to prepare for it as though it were happening tomorrow. We are 
Postmillennialists, we believe history is victorious, that Christ is crowned king now, and he's putting his enemies under his feet. We are marching into that history, and we ought to do our due diligence to prepare for it as though it were happening tomorrow. This is why health matters. We ought to mitigate the intake of toxins through poor food choices, poor air quality, and general patterns of stress. But why? why? Why would we do that sort of thing? Well, because the world is going to be transformed, as are you. Developing a theology of health in conjunction with postmillennial eschatology is, in my view, an opportunity to minister the gospel in a very, very unique fashion. Never before have we seen what we have seen this year. The nature of the coronavirus pandemic and the government's unprecedented response has been a giant leap forward into totalitarianism, the likes of which America has never seen before. No doubt the virus has caused a lot of problems. Absolutely. The majority of deaths have been because of underlining issues in conjunction with the virus. Could be high blood pressure, stress, heart disease, malnutrition, um, perhaps cancer in the early stages, uh, maybe even undetected cancer in its early stages, immunocompromised conditions and so on, and a whole host of other comorbidities. The other problem has been the panic that is caused by our media outlets, politicians, and social media accounts. If, if you only have the television to watch and you never actually left your home, you might think that bodies were piling up in the grocery store and that in order to get some bread, you had to walk over them. Feigned experts like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks were given the reins, making suggestions on things that they know nothing about. And of course, it was all guesswork. There was no good data, for example, on why schools should close, though I'm all for public schools abolishing themselves. Flip-flop Fauci, we might call him, says not to wear a mask early on, and so did the Surgeon General, and of course, now he says to wear the mask. And now we have President-elect Biden saying the same thing. This, in spite of the fact that hundreds of studies prior to 2020 had pretty much all suggested that mask wearing does absolutely nothing to prevent viral particles from being dispersed into the air. And to cite just one reputable study, in 2009, the Journal of International Society for Respiratory Protection concluded, quote, surgical masks should not be used for respiratory protection, end quote. It's fairly obvious that we shouldn't be suppressing one of our body's most important detoxifying functions, namely breathing. At any rate, the real problem here is the government response to the pandemic. If lockdowns worked the first time, we, one, we wouldn't be doing it again, and two, wouldn't see such variables in reported deaths, death rates across the world. And just to give you some stats here, regarding stats from this summer, Belgium had, for example, 751 deaths per million, while Ethiopia, with a population of 109.2 million, had the lowest reported non-zero death rate of 0.04 million. That's a 19,000-fold difference. Ethiopia, they only declared a state of emergency, but they never locked down. And by the way, if you haven't read the book, The Price of Panic, you're missing out. There's a lot of great information there, and I highly recommend that you pick that book up. 
Sweden, another example, with no lockdown, did better than the UK and six other countries that did lock their countries down. We all know South Dakota did better with no lockdowns or no mask mandates. The other health crisis that's been caused by all of this is the economic and psychological damage which barely ever makes the news. Suicide rates have spiked. Anxiety, depression, loneliness especially, and anger, um, especially with our older elderly population, has been the result of panic porn. Speaking of pornography, the use and addiction to this ubiquitous idolatry has skyrocketed. Churches were closed. Many of them did. We never closed. I know others who didn't either. While liquor stores remained open, helping people provide, uh, helping provide lots of people a way to drown their sorrows. What about the untold social ramifications for weddings and funerals? Birthdays, concerts, and other points of contact for society. Small businesses were crushed while pompous politicians tweet at you to support the small businesses that they have crushed. This while big box stores continue to make the money while mom and pop shops suffer. The hypocrisy, of course, is painful. I bring all of these things up to simply sound the alarm on the topic of health. If this year has proven anything, it's that the medical mafia and pharmaceutical cabal is after you. Back in March, I, I made a comment online that the coronavirus hysteria, which was fueled by an unrelenting media, was nothing short of an effort to get you to inject toxins into your body. I was jeered and criticized, of course, for holding that back in March, but have you been paying attention? As of last week, uh, New York and California are trying to create legislation mandating a vaccine without religious exemption. And I'm in Virginia, and that conversation continues to come up as well. To top it off, some airlines are requiring tests from everyone, including the healthy and those who are not symptomatic or asymptomatic. And some are even stating that you can't use their services without proof of immunization. Businesses will continue to be affected. Your economic stability may be in jeopardy, depending on your employer and what he or she seeks to do about the vaccine. The apparent next president, Joe Biden, has already stated that he will mandate mask wearing at the federal level for the first 100 days of his tenure. And he said just last week that he intends to get 90 million Americans immunized with this fast-tracked cocktail of heavy metals known as the COVID-19 vaccine which admittedly, if you pay very close attention to what they're saying about it, doesn't stop the virus from getting to you, nor does it stop transmission. In other words, it's not about health, it's about control. It's always been that way. Medical tyranny may not have been the enemy we thought would come to us, but it is an enemy that is here nonetheless. And if we're going to see the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom, on earth, as it is in heaven, then we simply have to deal with this enemy. The church of Jesus Christ needs to confront this idol and do so with a coherent message. But what are the ways we can do so? That is the question. Postmillennialism functions best when it runs with covenant theology and high-octane theonomy, the law of God. 
even better, of course, with presuppositionalism and Reformed theology. The reason that this is the case is because postmillennialism acknowledges the covenantal shape of history. We understand that God works in history, navigating the waters of his predestinating sovereignty for the end goal of maximizing his glory on the earth. Let me say this another way. The gospel, of course, saves us from sin and to the kingdom of Christ, and that is in one fell swoop there. If nations are to receive the healing that the gospel gives them, they're going to have to decide to reclaim the vision of God and God's plan for man. Man is not to become self, uh, uh, a self-enveloped neoplatonist, sanctifying himself through self-mutilation and political dominance, especially when Aristotle calls you a, quote, political animal. Man is not to escape the world, nor should he embrace the temptation to remake the world in his image through domination, coercion, and manipulation. The very things you see in our media and what's happening in our states. To have the healing God offers to the world, we need to subject ourselves to God first. It was telling that at the start of this pandemic, the people we looked to first in this nation were the so-called experts. Instead of crying out to God, we looked to the scientists whose version of, quote, the science changes depending on the political profitability of that day. No, we must look to God. We must not rely on other people to do our thinking and take hold of our self-government. We must exhibit self-control under the calling we have to serve God and neighbor, promoting healing and peace at every single turn. If post-millennialism restores the whole man, and it does, then what is man? He is God's creation, not evolved. Designed, there are blueprints to follow, to extend the kingdom of Christ, not the kingdoms of men, into every realm, literally everything, especially health. He is God's creation designed to extend the kingdom of Christ into every realm. Now, I mentioned a moment, moment ago that history is covenantal. What I mean is nothing is neutral and everything is covenantally tied and bound to God. This means that nations are sanctioned negatively when they disobey God. Think of the millions of dismembered babies and how God hates it. That sort of sanctioning and the ensuing destruction of our social order because of it. That's what God does when he pours out his wrath. Deuteronomy 28 lays out the sanctions that God gives to nations that will not serve him. Pay close attention to Deuteronomy 28, verses 21 and 22. It says, The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with a wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. God will send you a fever if you don't knock it off. Exodus 23:25 suggests the same. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. 
God sanctions us so that we will repent or perish, not so that we can boast in ourselves, not so we can manipulate the, the, the system to try to get it to do what we want it to do, not so we can inject people with toxins, call it a victory, and end up with people with all sorts of conditions, um, brain conditions, uh, immunocompromised conditions that come from these, these cocktails, these witches' brews. Today, we are in a heap of trouble as it pertains to health. Cancer rates continue to rise. The American Cancer Society earlier this year has said that there will be 1.8 million new cases of cancer this year. I don't know if they've offered, uh, altered that number in light of COVID. The CDC says, if we can trust their reporting, that one in 59 children has autism. And this is only getting worse as the vaccine schedule has added more to it. Um, abortion on demand continues as synthetic drugs are placed on the market to make it easier and more convenient to destroy your child. Big Pharma doles out commercial after commercial, making you think while you're at home that you're sick so that you can go ahead and get the doctor to write you a script in order to get that, that drug that you saw on TV. And it's, of course, conveniently a drug that he will profit from as well. Heart disease, if we don't count abortion, heart disease is still the number one killer. Cancer is second. Medical mistakes is third, and adverse drug reactions is listed fourth. In, in other words, the top two killers, and we can throw abortion into that category too, go on unmitigated by the medical industrial complex, while the second two, three and four, are direct causes of death by big pharma. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do in light of all of this? Well, we need to cry out to God. We need to change, perhaps, our eating habits. We need to stop eating processed junk, for example. There are various suggestions in my book, and you can even go to the healthforalloflife.com website, too. There's a whole lot of natural protocols that work, and there are a whole lot of doctors out there who are curing and helping people from all the diseases and conditions that big medicine can't quite figure out. So go to the site. You can check out the book. You can learn those things, as I've said. You especially want to explore the triad, the trinity of truths. Nutrify, detoxify, energize. I want to give you just some brief tools here to touch on their relevance. With regard to proper nutrition, we feed on Christ as the bread of life. That's what we're supposed to do. And we also try to attain the mighty 90, the 90 essential nutrients. Well, regarding detoxing the body, referenced by our Lord in Mark 7, 19, we need to rid ourselves of heavy metals, toxins, chemicals, and bad food, just like repentance detoxes the soul. And finally, regarding energizing the body, we need to be joyful, spirit-saturated Christians, practicing daily habits which fuel and energize the body so we can carry out the dominion mandate. Unhealthy soldiers are a liability for any army, especially an advancing army. Postmillennialism isn't pie-in-the-sky nonsense. The gospel deals with entropy. It reverses the chaos of sin far as the curse is found. God does intend to roll back the curses of creation in history for the glory of His Son, which means the church simply has to get this issue of health right. 
Self-government in this area must be restored. Too many people want to farm out their spiritual life to other people. Uh, the gurus on TV and so on and so forth. Too many people want to farm out their self-government when it comes to health by just doing whatever their doctor says. And perhaps he says some right things. Fine. But not always. Not with the chemical toxins that we have going on in our nation right now. So we need self-government to be restored. Stop farming that responsibility out. But how seriously is God interested in reversing this curse? Well, Jesus Christ, the second Adam, took the first Adam's thorns and wore them as a crown signifying victory over the curse of creation. And either we will deal with this in the raw, undiluted form that it is, or we will try to explain it away. It's been said that Christians believe in God, but not history. And humanists believe in history, but not God. But may this never be true of us. Now is the time to turn up the gospel heat. So many lives have been destroyed, absolutely destroyed by big pharma, and so many more have been injured by government intrusion. The gospel can and does heal individuals and nations. Which is easier? Sharing the gospel so their sins can be forgiven or telling them about the 90 essential nutrients so that they can get their bodies back on track and on to health? Why not both? The fact is, when you're sick, you're out of the fight. When you're sick, you're out of the fight. Postmillennialism is not a patch job and nor is it to be accomplished with crutches. We're not limping around in history. Christ is victorious. And with so many ailments and injuries and preventable diseases, why would we go along with the prevailing narratives which only mask symptoms instead of destroy the very root cause of disease? Why is it that the pagans are running the show when it comes to natural health? Where are the Christians? Why aren't the post-millennialists who believe God intends to heal the whole man and redeem the world? Why aren't they speaking about these issues? If you want the nations to be discipled, then you, your family, and your churches need to get healthy and start taking it seriously. Don't become victims of big pharma. We have before the promise, we have before us the promise of Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. It says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. The church ought to recover her priestly function of healing in the world. We need to recover our priestly function of healing in the world. And this means refusing to be a dead end to truth. It means recovering that priestly calling to serve the whole man. The whole man. Not just one part of his being. It means interposing against tyrants in office and tyrants that are in white coats. Man's body is destined by God to be resurrected and glorified, which means that what we do with our bodies right now absolutely matters. And either we will serve Christ with our bodies, limiting the curse of creation through God-given treatments, protocols, and everyday practices of health, or we will serve the nanny state, and we will continue to perpetuate socialized medicine that's been here for over 100 years. And I hope and pray for you, because it's true of me, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The gospel restores the whole of man.
his body, his soul, his spirit. And may we proclaim it with power, with victory, and with truth. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your word and the gift of life. We are also grateful for the grand post-millennial vision you have set forth in the scriptures. We know that right now our nation has walked away from you and rightfully incurred your wrath. As a result, you have sent us into a state of stupefied confusion. Our governments have sought to control every single aspect of life, including and especially our own bodies. We have spat on the Dominion Covenant and sought to go our own way. We ask for repentance, Father, a deep repentance from top to bottom and side to side. We long for the nations to be discipled so that the whole creation, including the entirety of our being, can worship and serve you with songs of praise and joy. May your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, be glorified in our health. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.